We will. You do the same. All right, Rodney. Whatever that it. means, whatever a nooner means for Rodney Rodriguez. I'm not sure I know. I'm not sure I want to know. It means different things to different people, BK. There we go. We've got the laser show going on today. That's what does right. that mean? You guys are going to have fun with getting to make the balloons go up in my video. I'm going to get to have some fun with some graphics too, you know? Oh, you're back to blaming us for something you've already admitted on the show was your fault. Well, there's there's either a setting on my computer that somebody's not telling me about or somebody is firing it off, but it's not happening every time. So I know that it's being fired off. If it were happening every time, then it's something programmed in. But the robots are, are better than that. So the laser show is you. Like, you can do that whenever you want, but the balloons... Oh, yeah, I can do. I can make it rain. Hmm, I can make... I can uh, have confetti gush down on me, you know? Gush. I've got some lamer ones, too. Like, the hearts isn't that cool. The thumbs up isn't that cool. Mm. Thumbs down. This one's not bad. The fireworks. No. What is that on? That's on the FaceTime app on your Mac? Uh, yeah, like whenever, whenever I, the camera turns on, there's a little white and green icon that appears in the top right corner. And if you click on that, it allows you to mess with reactions and that's the reactions. I'm tempted to look up, like if I could just get like a bunch of dicks to drop on me or something like that would be a cool and like something just insane like that. But of course, Mac's going to be a little bit more conservative than that. Mm. Oh, you think PC's got the flying dicks as a, uh, an effect it could, or it could just be a plug-in where somebody has been smart and funny enough to create something like that, you know? Plug-in like a vibrator or something? <laughs> that kind of plug-in? Could have vibrators raining down on me. You never know. Yeah, you'd like that, I think. Mm. I think yeah. that would hurt. Yeah, probably would. I mean, those those things have been used as weapons and crimes in the past, you know? Oh. Assaults. You're getting used ones, too? Ooh, I mean, I'm assuming it's used. I'm assuming you're not going to the sex shop to buy a sex toy to then use in a low-level assault, you know? Uh, yeah, I feel like there'd be other weapons that I would go with in that exactly. case. Nunchucks and the like. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I guess if you're trying to cover your tracks, you know, like if you go to a nunchuck store, I don't know, where do they have those? Kmart? Where, where do you buy nunchucks these uh, days? Those are called the flea market in Maine, or at least that's where I bought the nunchucks that my kids still have. You have nunchucks? Fuck yeah. Oh, the kids ones, yeah? Uh, One is definitely very kids. The other one's got a little bit to it. It's got it's got the uh, the hard plastic handles. So if you hit that thing, if you hit somebody with that thing wrong or right, then it'll hurt a little bit. Interesting. Okay. I'm staying away from your kids then, which is a good thing with the mustache. I should I should stay away from all kids. I, I have to say, I've been watching this mustache grow. How, how long have you been doing the mustache bit? Since you were probably 21 or 22? Uh, I don't think I did it in college. Probably like 24, maybe. Okay, so it started with your radio career then. Yes. Okay, I feel like I saw this at the very beginning then. And I got to say, you have a damn good looking mustache, I think, on your own. Because you're not dying that thing just yet, right? I haven't done it, no. Yeah, you just got a good... It's going from pedo to porn star right now. I have to say, I've been impressed with you over various things in our existence together, your your mustache now looks really good. It does. I'm like I'm going out in public and people aren't shitting on it, which uh, that's the first time I think that's ever happened. Yeah, yeah, like, it's less wheezy now. You don't look like you're sniffing bicycle seats at 
Rick Perry Elementary School out here in Cedar Park. Well, I am still doing that, but I am glad that it doesn't look like I'm doing that. Well, now you look like a maintenance guy who's like helping to fix a wheel or something. Your head just so happens to be down there. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm around the school. There's a school pretty close to where I live, so I, I get there around three thirty just to see if anybody needs help with anything, or if anyone's looking for some candy, perhaps after a hard day of school. I really hope that school is letting out at two forty-five. No, nah, don't worry. I've got the timing figured out. Have <laughs> <laughs> to worry about that one. Oh man, Trey and I are here until one o'clock. Chip and Zay from one to three. Trey and Kevin from three to five. Oh, you have to show. I know Katie's seen this, but I I would love to get Katie's commentary on this. He actually tweeted out about this too, but what? maybe you haven't seen this. Apparently, uh, Katie's got a new girlfriend. What? He told you this? Like you and I are two of his best friends in the world, and I I did not know about this before I saw something on Twitter earlier today. Did he tell you that he had somebody he was seeing? No, no. So now I am fascinated about where this is about to head. Well, there's a a video posted on the website x.com. Just one X, not three for those uh, keeping track at home. And yeah, I guess like she just, this girl wanted to show how committed she was to KD. And she posted a video basically announcing their relationship to the world. Here it is. Just a wave of emotions from joy to sadness, you know? (laughs) For you or for her? Uh, For everybody, I think, a little bit. I mean, that was uh, at one point an attractive woman who has decided to tattoo, uh, probably go a little bit too far with the tattoos in general, but to put the dude's name on her forehead. Sayonara, lady. Mm. Yeah, the forehead tat in general is just a bad bit. I don't know if I've ever even seen that before. It's like uh, like Post Malone's got a bunch of face tattoos. Does he have some on the forehead? Yeah, he probably does. They're everywhere. Yeah, there are a few other celebrities who have rocked the face slash forehead tats before. But, I mean, getting a name tattooed on your body is is a bold move. I mean, if it's, if it's like a sibling or a kid, then I, then I guess I get it. Like I, I, it's nothing I would ever do, but okay, I guess I get it. But a significant other, when it, uh, there's no guarantee that that thing is going to work until death actually does you part. Like that's that's a bold move to get it tatted anywhere. But on the face, like to combine the face tat with the boyfriend slash girlfriend tat, that is asinine, dude. Yeah, let's just hope she's not Jewish because she has definitely earned a spot with the other desecrants in y'all's graveyard, right? Yep, she's buried outside the cemetery. Unless she gets all those tattoos like burned off her body when she dies. Well, isn't it a general rule of thumb? And I know this because I've made this mistake before that if you get somebody's name tattooed on you anywhere, like the relationship is toast in the next three months, nine out of 10 times, right? It's like a bad omen. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, one of my good friends. Uh, Brian Smith, shout out to Brian and his family. If they, if he is uh, watching or listening right now in, I think they live in Harlem maybe at this point, 
but uh, he's he's my friend that has a bunch of tattoos. Like my one friend that has a shitload of tattoos, like sleeved up, coming out of his neck a little bit or whatever. And um, he was married previously to this girl that nobody liked, but he you know he seemed to be happy with her, so you try and support him for that. Um, but uh, they were getting married at one point. They were doing it at a destination. And they had this digital um, book, I guess, to write best wishes or whatever. And so the the thing that I wrote, because I couldn't make it to the wedding, was good luck, you two. Just make sure that you don't get one another's names tattooed on you anywhere else, because then the relationship is doomed. That's what I wrote on this thank you book or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the next time I saw them, like she was as big a bitch to me as she was to pretty much everybody else that was in his friendship group. And I'm like, wow, what the hell? And so my buddy told me afterwards, after they had gotten married and then I think separated or divorced in the next like three to six months, that they had just gotten one another's names tattooed. And so she was furious about that. Oh my God. But in my defense, they were fucking done three to six months in. So uh, you may have wanted to had the foresight to know I was going to go there. Just realize that yourselves. You put the hex on him, dude. That's not even. Yeah, it is even. That's not even. They that weren't thinking awesome. about that. They I were thinking. Babe, I was Babe Ruth right there <laughs> with being able to recognize that a relationship was going to be doomed. You, you, did you know? Did you know that they weren't going to last long when you attended the wedding? I didn't attend the wedding. That's why I didn't attend the wedding. It's like, I don't want to, I don't want to travel. Even though it's Costa Rica, I don't want to travel to a wedding that I know is not going to work. Wow. So you wrote that. Man, so th- did they already have the tattoos by the actual wedding? You just didn't know about it? Yeah, they had already had the tattoos by the time I wrote that. And so she read it in the guest book. I, guest book, that's what they call it. Yeah. She read it in the guest book and was just pissed off because they had just done that. Like it's some like it's me breaking news to her that that's the general rule of thumb is that you don't get somebody's name tattooed on you anywhere. They were cursed, man. Once they read that, they were cursed because then oh, they were they were thinking like, oh, shit, is Trey right? Is this not going to work out because we got names tatted? Is this over now? And then that ultimately led to their final decision of breaking things off, dude. Way to go. That and her being a terrible person. Homewrecker, man. You're a homewrecker. No, this one's on you. This has nothing to do with her. Look, some sometimes I'm okay accepting that label. I needed to help in this relationship. The sooner the better for my friend, who is now in a much better place. Good, good, good. God. Yeah, I, like it just feels like the percentage of relationships that involve tattoos of names of each other don't end in marriage or at least marriage that lasts forever, right? No. Like, there's got to be some craziness to you to get a tattoo of somebody else's name on your body. And then because of that level of craziness, that increases the chance that something is going to happen that leads to a breakup. I mean, how was the woman that got the forehead tat? How, how was she broken by life? Like what did that to her? You don't just grow up an innocent person who wants to get a tattoo on your forehead. You're going through some trauma. No, I would not CB because my name's not Kevin. So (laughs) I'm not allowed to. And also, if I did, I would end up dead. She would kill me or whoever the hell Kevin is would probably kill me. If, For sure. If I got caught with that. So I'm I'm out on that. Pre-tattoo version? Yeah, not bad. Like you said, Trey, good looking, good looking girl at a time. But uh, no, like that's, 
I'm cool with tats. I'm in on the tats, but the, the face tat bit is is bad. And if you have somebody else's name tattooed anywhere, I don't want any part of that. That's that's too crazy. The craziness outweighs the hotness with that one. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's that's why that video was tragic by then. It's like, oh, you were really hot. And then you just did that to yourself. Mm. And you can guarantee that Kevin has done some time in the pen too. Kevin Dunn? Uh, the, the Kevin that whose name is represented on her forehead. So Kevin Dunn? Uh, you know, I, I don't know if that's Kevin's t type, you know? I don't know. She she had an accent. Katie likes the foreigners. She had an accent there, so. Did she? Yeah, I think so. No, I didn't hear the accent. Let's try one more time. Hold on. <laughs> okay. Don? Yeah. Oh, thanks God. Okay. Yeah. Accent. Yeah, accent yeah. for sure. I don't know, Eastern European or uh, Chinese, Japanese. Uh, I don't see color. So, you know, Sub-Saharan Africa, I, I'm not sure where she's from, but it's, it's, uh, it's an accent on there. Yeah. Crazies, one of those places. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's in Looney Town. That's sad. It's sad to watch that video over and over again. It's like, wow, that person is getting a tattoo on their forehead right now. They are, they are at a, such a such a, a sad spot in life. You know, that looks painful too. That the, the tattoo just looks like it hurts a lot. Like uh, Post Malone is a really interesting dude to listen to. I don't know if you've heard him much in interviews. Or are you a fan of his music? Yeah. Uh, not like a, a huge fan, but there are a few songs that I like that I'll I'll listen to from time to time. Yeah, his music's okay. He's actually a really good dude. He's from uh from Grapevine, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. DFW guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he's yeah. got a partnership with Raising Canes, where they're letting him design. They let him design at least one store, and it's such a cool looking store too. Yeah, Post Malone is is one of those pop stars. It's like I don't know what the hell is going on with you, dude. But you are very creative and a, and a good dude to get to root for, too. Yeah, I just I wonder if he's going to regret all of those tattoos at, at some point. But, hey, he doesn't need to get an actual job. So, like, I feel like people who actually need to get real jobs are probably like, shit, why did I get this tattoo on my face? But Malone, Post, Post has made enough money to where he can, you know, he, he doesn't have to worry about that kind of deal. Yeah, you either have to be a, a music star or be ready for a, a life of uh, a lot of hard jobs behind the scenes. Yeah, for One sure. One more video here before we get into sports. We, you know, we, we have no idea what we're talking about today. I mean, there's no pre-show pre-show meeting today, so we're on one. Uh, do you ever watch the Manning Cast? I showed Bucky this this morning. No. So you know what the Manning Cast is, of course. Yeah. If I were to uh, watch Monday Night Football consistently. It depends on who the guest is on, too. But, yeah, I'll, I'll flip it over there for sure. Well, they, they interview a bunch of guests every yeah. week. And sometimes it's football players, either current or former. And sometimes it's just random celebrities, whatever. Uh, last night, one of the people they talked to was the Terminator, the Governator, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I'll just show you this, like, seven-second sna uh, snippet of what was going on when they had the Governor on the Manning cast last night. All right, welcome back. Oh, yes. And let's oh, welcome yeah, no. an icon yes. right now, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold. Oh, Arnie. Good for Arnie. He's feeding a donkey, but also the sounds that he was making. Do you hear those? All right, welcome back. Oh, yes. 
And let's oh, welcome yeah, yeah. an icon yes. right now, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Peyton's face as he was watching that and listening to it was hilarious. He's stunned. Stunned disbelief, as was I watching this on Twitter after the game last night. So what do you think Arnie's other hand was doing then? That's what I wonder. And Bucky this morning was saying that he ran into a donkey one time on the golf course, and he said that thing was hung like Godzilla. Said oh, length yeah. and girth. So we can't see the lower half of this donkey in this video, which uh, makes me think there could be some Aggie stuff going on here. Look, the phrase is hung like a horse, but it very easily could be hung like a donkey. Mm. Oh, you've seen it too. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've been around, yeah, animals from that. What is that, a genus? They're all kind of from the same family, right? Donkeys, mules, horses. A genus? <sighs> what, what is the term? I don't know. Science that I can't remember. I don't believe in science. You know this. Oh, yeah. I'm an evolution guy. You're one of those insane clown posse fans. Yeah. I'm like Kyrie Irving with the earth being flat too. So Exactly. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but there you go. There's your random other video that we have today on a random start to the show. Not so random. Steve Sarkeesian met with the media yesterday. How about an injury update on Quinn Ewers, Trey? You care to hear that? Sure. Okay, here we go. This was Sark yesterday talking about how Quinn Ewers is progressing in his recovery from his air conditioner problem. Yeah, so uh, Quinn, uh, like I said, he he started to throw a little bit last week. Um, he threw again today. Um, to me, it's more day-to-day at this point, you know, where a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, it was kind of week-to-week. Uh, today is more day-to-day, um, and I got it. you know, I have to continue to see how he feels. You know, ultimately, this is a... How does he feel? You know, I, I can't, you know, the, he, the doctors, what does it feel like? Where is he at? Um, I can give my assessment on the capability to operate our offense, but ultimately, how does he feel? And so we'll navigate this week. So there you go. So positive step, right? It, it went from week to week to day to day. And the fact that he threw last week and the fact that he threw yesterday in practice leads you to believe that he threw today in practice. So um, you know, nothing official either way from Steve Sarkeesian, but it sounds like Trey that Quinn Ewers is getting close, and that's obviously good news. And it also kind of sounds like Sark is trying to put the ball in Quinn's court, too, right? It did, didn't it? And yeah. I don't fault him necessarily for that either, by the way, because he is at a point right now where does he want to come back to help this team? Absolutely. But how reluctant is he to come back at anything other than 100% with an injury that's a very serious injury for a quarterback, that AC joint, that you have to let it heal properly so that it doesn't just become problematic going forward. But there's also a point that it does need to be tested too. So what is that for him right now? Like I feel like we see Quinn Ewers sit out at least one more week and come back for either Iowa State or Texas Tech. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I want Quinn back this weekend, but obviously you got to think of his short-term and long-term health, right? Like if if Quinn does come back too soon, like you said, you run the risk of him re-aggravating that injury. And if he does that in the short term, that means, well, he's probably done for the rest of this season, which sucks. And then obviously long-term, you're talking about a kid who's got an NFL future. Now, regardless of 
how good you think he's going to be in the NFL or where he's going to get drafted in the NFL or when he decides to leave for the NFL, he's going to get a chance at the next level. Like he's got too much talent to not get the chance. So you're on the risk of, uh, yeah, if you bring him back too soon, him injuring, re-injuring that uh, AC joint to where it, it affects things long-term. So you've got to take that into consideration as well. Uh, but also on the other hand, you got to think of the big 12 championship, you know, like yeah. you, you want to win the big 12 this year. And the only way you guarantee a shot at that is to win your final three games of the regular season. And Hey, you still want to make the playoff this year. And the only way to guarantee that you can do that is to win the final three games of the regular season. And Malik Murphy just hasn't been good enough. It sucks. Well, I wanted Malik to be better. I was hoping we were going to have a quarterback controversy. I wanted this to be like, hey, hey, Quinn, take take more time, dude. Like, we don't need you right now. We're good. And hell, Malik might even be better than you. So you might not even get your job back. Like, that's that's what I said the perfect world would have been for Texas. But it ain't that. Because Malik Murphy just played a horrible game on Saturday. And he's turned it over four times in two games. So now it's it's tough if you're Sark. Like, you got to you gotta weigh the, the kid. And that's that's the most important thing. But you also have to consider, like, Man, is is a is a ninety percent Quinn Ewers better than what we're getting out of Malik Murphy right now? And if he gets cleared to play and he wants to play, then maybe you got to make that move. I feel like as long as Texas keeps winning, it increases the chances that Quinn Ewers comes back. And I think that how Malik Murphy does on the road this weekend will help determine whether he feels the need to speed it up a little bit for his teammates or try and wait one more week for Texas Tech to give him that one extra game under the belt mm. before a potential Big 12 championship game. But you have to win these next couple of weeks to get to that point. I'm confident mm. that they can do so just because TCU and Iowa State are really bad offensively. Iowa State is better defensively than TCU is, so this is the game that I worry the least about. But it's Fort Worth, and we've seen kooky things happen in Fort Worth, especially at night. And for a young quarterback who's making his third start and his first start on the road, who has made some very bizarre, questionable, uh, harmful decisions when throwing the football, when he's forced to do more to read a defense, uh, you have to be very careful in this situation too, you know? I wonder if there's a break glass situation for Texas on Saturday to where Malik Murphy starts, but Quinn Ewers is good enough to be in uniform. And the, the hope and the plan is that, hey, Malik plays all four quarters. But uh, if Texas is down, like as bad as Malik Murphy was, Texas never trailed on Saturday, right? Yeah. Like obviously they were tied a couple of different times and the game went to overtime. But, uh, you know, Texas was up 27 to 7. So even though Malik Murphy was struggling, Sark's like, well, we're still winning or we're still very much in this game. So I can't I can't make the move to a true freshman right now. Right. But you're like, well, what if what if Texas is down 27 to 7? God forbid. I, I don't see a scenario where that happens. I just don't think TCU is good enough. Say it's 17 to 7 at halftime. And like Quinn Ewers is like, yeah, like he's not 100%, but he's he's good enough to give you something. Like I, I wonder if that's a potential uh, scenario that this coaching staff considers. I think that that is an interesting possibility there. I, I could foresee that happening. Yeah, for sure. And hopefully Quinn is able to sit out because Texas is in control because this defense is playing at that next level right now. And they're really stifling teams early on. And unfortunately, this Texas defense, I mean, they played well overall this last Saturday. Some things left to be desired in the secondary for sure. Uh, but they were very disruptive up front. 
And they were just put in bad positions a couple of times by those turnovers, you know? Yeah. I mean, K-State had a 12-yard touchdown drive. They had a 32-yard touchdown drive. And then the only touchdown K-State scored in the first half came after a blocked punt where they also started in Texas territory. So, uh, yeah, no, the defense has played great over the last two games. Like, that's that's the good news for Texas is that everybody has picked up the slack that Malik Murphy has kind of left. And not to say Malik Murphy hasn't done anything right over the last two weeks, but quarterback play has left uh, some things to be desired. The defense was awesome against BYU. They didn't give up a touchdown in that game. Obviously, you had a punt return score in that game, which helped. And then even though Texas did have a punt blocked, special teams, I would still say, was a win. Burt Auburn was the freaking player of the game yeah. on Saturday. We were going four for four. You needed all of those kicks. Otherwise, you lose. And uh, you had some other special teams plays. And I still thought the defense, for the most part, did a really, really good job, all things considered. They got a goal line stand to win you that football game. So, yeah, the good news is the other two units have played a lot better uh, without Quinn Ewers, but yeah, it's just, it, it's like, I don't want to relive the Houston game, Trey. And I was wrong about that. Like I was literally talking the week leading up to that game. Like hey, Texas can rest some players because it's Houston. And like, ah, you know, a couple of guys, if they're banged up, you can give them an extra week and just make sure you have them for the last five games of the season. And Houston's right. so bad that this game isn't going to matter. Well, the Texas coaches listened. I don't think they would. They listened, and they did that, and what ended up happening? I mean, Texas needed a, a fourth down stop in a very fortunate spot by the officials to hold on for dear life to get a seven-point win against Houston. TCU's better than Houston, and they've had your number. Yeah, I think so. I think okay. so. And, uh, I mean, they're 8-3 and three against Texas in the last 11 years, and I, I get that that shouldn't have anything to do with this year, but uh, that place has been a house of horrors. <laughs> I don't know if I said that well enough for Texas. You can't like that. That's where it's just like, man, if Quinn, if Quinn is cleared and maybe it isn't his court. So maybe Quinn is part of this decision too, but I, I just, you can't, you can't mess around right now. There's just too much at stake to where I can't sit here and, and, and just trust Malik Murphy. Cause he's been bad at home at home. Like I, the K state's defense is way better than TCU. So that is the bright spot is that, like the defense, the Longhorns are playing is a lot worse this weekend, but he's looked rattled at home and he hasn't been able to like turn things around when things have starting to spiral out of control in front of DKR. And that's like on the road. It's just, I, I don't know, man. I, you can't, you can't play with fire. If Quinn can play for me, he's got to be out there. I'm not, I'm not saying I think we can win without him. So let's give him another week. If he can't play, he can't play. I think Malik is good enough. I think Texas is good enough to still win, but I'm not doing the whole, ah, let's just hope Malik is good enough and we'll try to rest Quinn, even though he might be able to play that. It, there's just too much at stake for me. You can hear that in Sark's voice too. And I don't fault him at all for that, by the way, he's, he's in a rock and a hard place position. It's like, you want to support the guy, but you also want him to uh, to get everything he's got for you, especially if it, it seems like he might be healthy enough to do so. So the ball is in Quinn's court now. When are you going to feel healthy enough to do so? Yeah, well, let's, uh, you want to hear some more from Sark talking about Malik Murphy because I, 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 I'm kind of with you. Like, I ultimately think it will be Malik Murphy who starts for Texas on Saturday. Uh, I think next week is, is when we see Quinn Ewers suited up again. Uh, so here's, uh, look, the throwaway, right? The second interception that Malik Murphy's had, and it's two games in a row where he's just, throwing a bad pick when he when he needs to either take a sack or just throw it away. Uh, here's Sark from the press conference yesterday, just teaching Malik Murphy and just young quarterbacks in general about, 
hey, maybe throwing the ball away is, is not a bad thing. One of the hardest plays a quarterback ever has to make is throwing a ball away um, because you think competitively there's always a throw that I can make. But quite frankly, the most competitive play a lot of times you can make is throwing that away when you're competing for your team and the impact that it has for your team and earning the right to punt and let your defense go play defense and things of that nature. So it's a it's a big challenge. Um, it's a big challenge to coach. It's a big challenge for the player to understand the value in that. And like I said, I think sometimes you you have to have real life experience to, to understand the significance of that play and the consequence of that play when when you make it and so hopefully um like i said i think that that he learns from that uh and and we, we don't you know the, the sign of a really good player is that they don't make the same mistakes twice and that they learn from those things and i think you know malik's a very conscientious young man and uh, i think that he'll definitely learn from that so that was a very similar answer to what we heard last week also right with a little bit more of an emphasis on learning the lesson and making sure you're not doing it over and over again. Like we need to see that work itself out of its system right now. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I think Malik Murphy's got a chance to be a great quarterback and in college football. And Hey, maybe we see that this Saturday, but it's just what, what we saw from him last Saturday. It, it just, it just gives me reservation. And Matt says BK evidently did not see the last scoring drive in regular time. Look, I'll, I'll give Malik some credit because he did rally the troops when things were going out of control for Texas. He led the Longhorns on a field goal drive, which was great. But you know what I also saw? I saw 12 of 26 for 96 yards and two interceptions from the second quarter to overtime last Saturday. It's 3.7 yards per attempt. Iowa would consider benching that quarterback. That's how bad it was. So I want Malik to be great. I really want him to be great. He seems like an awesome kid and an easy kid to root for, and everybody in that locker room seemingly loves him. But we're, we're talking about uh, competing for a conference championship. We're talking about trying to make it to the playoff. Those numbers are not going to get it done. One three-point scoring drive in the last two quarters of the game, like that's that's not going to get it done for me. So I'm not saying Quinn Ewers is perfect. He's got plenty of flaws, and we've talked about that a lot this year. But uh, right now it's clear that he is the best option for for Texas at the quarterback spot. And when you've got three games that you need to win with two of them on the road, uh, I, I get nervous with what we've seen from Malik. To this we point. saw him throw the ball 37 times this last Saturday. Is there a number that you would feel more comfortable with this weekend? Oh, man. Um, God, like I, I, I've given Sark credit. I feel like I've been easier on Sark than most Texas fans have because there are guys open. All game long. I, I thought the game plan was great. It's just I, Malik went from hitting everybody to not hitting anybody, um, which was, was stunning. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I would love to run it 40-plus. They ran it 37 times as well last week. I'd love to be able to run it 40 to 50 times to where Malik's only throwing it 25 to 30, maybe. Um, I, I guess in the ultimate perfect world, you can run it 60 times and throw it 10 times. Hell, I'd say that even if Quinn was the quarterback, right? Because Jonathan Brooks is better than Quinn Ewers. Like, you know, if you can compare running back to quarterback. So I think Sark in a perfect world would would try to run it that well if he could. But um, yeah, I don't know. 20, 20 to 30 is preferred over the 30 to 40 that we got last Saturday. Did Sark give an injury update to uh, or on Jonathan Brooks either yesterday or after the game on Saturday? No, I'll let you hear from Sark. Uh, this is a team-wide injury update. 
Um, but there's there's no mention of Jonathan Brooks at all. Here's Steve Sarkeesian talking about the other Longhorns who have been banged up. If I can find it. Well, there. I'd say this. I think the thing that was probably the most encouraging thing for me today Everybody practiced. That was awesome. <laughs> hey, we, we've gone about a month now or so where certain guys have been out, certain guys have been limited. Um, the beauty of today's practice, everybody was out there. Catalan was back out there. Crawford was out there. Um, Kelvin was out there. Christian Jones was out there. Uh, so that was real positive. Um, naturally, as the week goes on, we're going to have to monitor all these guys and, and figure out, you know, who can really contribute to the game and then how much and, and what is that going to look like? But for a Monday, for them all to be out there today w- was really, really encouraging for me. So there's Sark uh, injury update. And he, and he did single out a couple of guys, Trey. Um, Jonathan Brooks was not one of them, right? He mentioned Catalan by name. He mentioned Crawford by name. He mentioned Banks and Jones by names. So I, I guess we should take that as good news, right? Everybody practiced, which means Brooks practiced, and also Sark didn't feel the need to uh, single out Jonathan Brooks and say that he's dealing with with anything. So it's nice to hear that Catalan is going to be playing again this year. I honestly didn't know these last couple of weeks. It wouldn't have surprised me to hear that that he was done for the year at a certain point. But you know, whatever he's able to get out there for, the safety position looks much better on at least one side. Yeah. So uh, if he can come back this week and test things out against TCU, great, because you're going to need that guy if you make it to the Big 12 championship game or maybe even before that, too. Yep. Secondary needs uh, all the help that it can get right now. But, you know, some of the help they are getting is from this great pass rush. Shout out, Mr. Sorrell in the building. What a game for Baron Sorrell. What a game for the entire Texas defensive line last Saturday. But the edge rushers with Baron Sorrell – and Ethan Burke, what those guys were doing to the Kansas State offensive tackles, incredibly impressive. They were the difference, uh, difference the Texas D-line, the difference for the Longhorns. And obviously on the final play of the game, Baron Sorrell and Byron Murphy, both of them got immediate pressure on Will Howard, and they were able to uh, force that goal line stand. So, yeah, tip of the cap to uh, to that defensive front and, and to you, Mr. Sorrell. That was, that was awesome, man. I find myself happy for Barron when he makes plays, but I'm a little bit happier for Barry right now. Just because <laughs> he's a part of the community. Yes. And I get yes. it. Yeah, the fatherly love for watching your kids do well in sports and the pride yeah. that comes into play as well. Man, that uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And hopefully those guys continue to feast this weekend. Uh, but man, this D-line, when it plays like that, it's one of the best in the country. I, I think the defensive tackles for Texas are the best in the country. But when you get Sorrell feasting like that when you get ethan burke close to 100 percent, it looked like he was healthier than he had been in a while uh those guys are some special special talents too man so it's it's a fun bunch to have a dominant defensive line like that it makes life easier for a defense and it's also way more enjoyable to watch your defense play knowing that well teams can't run on you number one and also that you can get a pretty good pass rush texas is able to keep getting that semblance of a pass rush by only rushing four because once again, they need help in the secondary, so they get to drop more guys and still yeah. get pressure. That's uh, that's the ultimate right there for PK. Yeah, Maurice Blackwell being in there is going to help at the linebacker position in pass coverage too. And you're right, that is the anchor of this defense. One of, if not the best units in the country. It's got great depth. You can't say that about other spots across the defense, whether you're talking linebacker or lack of depth at safety too. 
and they do make PK's life so much easier for trying to do everything else. So hopefully they can get that part of it figured out. It's looked, it's been a bit of a mixed bag these last couple of weeks, but I think, think overall it is better than what we saw in the second half against Houston. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Now the defense uh, has, has turned a corner since that uh, debacle, near debacle at Houston. I guess you can't call it a total debacle. They did win the football game after all, but we had more questions than answers with the Longhorn defense after that one, and they have uh, answered a lot of those questions in these last two games. One more from Steve Sarkeesian today. Well, we've talked about this a lot, and I know Longhorn fans everywhere have talked about this a lot, the officiating, or lack thereof, for Texas. Kevin Marr and his crew were on the call on Saturday, and that that crew sucks. Like, they were bad before Texas and Oklahoma made their announcement that they were leaving for the SEC. Like that, that crew is just terrible. But we ran down some of the numbers regarding the lack of offensive holdings called on Texas opponents and the lack of pass interferences called on Texas opponents. Uh, Sark was actually asked about those things yesterday, Trey. And he did kind of uh, comment on just the lack of flags that are going Texas's way right now. Here's the head coach. Um, as far as what's called and what's not, I, you know, a couple things I know this. In my opinion, we have the two most dominant defensive interior linemen in the country, uh, and if, if not the country, in our conference. And I'm not sure if they've gotten a holding penalty called on either of them yet this year. So I, I'm not sure how that adds up, but I just got to keep getting those guys to play hard and be committed to, to trying to affect the game, the run game, the pass game that way. And the same, same when we throw the football. I, I mean, I, I, I love when I line up and I see one and five out there together, I know they're a problem for our opponents. And so so uh, I recognize people are going to do things to try to minimize their effectiveness to the game. Um, and, and we're going to take advantage of those opportunities when they're there. If things get called, they get called. If they don't, we just don't have a lot of time to, to, to complain about it. We've got to go on to the next play. And the moment we start getting caught up in that, then it's going to start to affect their play and, and our play to call the things necessary. So, um, you know, it, it's the way it goes. And, and I, I've said this all along, like we need to focus on what we need to do and, and not get caught up in what's getting called and what's not. I appreciate Sark's diplomatic answer because the real answer is it's fucking bullshit. <laughs> but you can't, you can't get caught up in that because you have no control over it. He's, he's right about that. Yeah. And so far, they, they've been ever able to weather it okay. I mean, you know, he points out the damning stat that Xavier Worthy hasn't had a pass interference called against him in conference players at one. Uh, Texas as a team has drawn one pass interference penalty in conference play. I can't remember. It was the Baylor game. I don't think it was Xavier Worthy. I don't remember which receiver it was. But there's been one PI called on a Big 12 team playing against Texas this year. Or against a group that's one of the best in the conference in the country. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's a joke. give me a fucking break. It's a joke. Yeah, you, if you gave Sark truth serum, he would have said exactly what you just said right, right. there. Like, it's got to be diplomatic, whatever. He did further talk, he further uh, did further go on and say that, you know, after every game, they'll send plays to the Big 12 office and they'll try to get explanations for why this was called or why this wasn't called. But, you know, what does that actually do? It's like the last two-minute report in the NBA. Okay, cool. You, you got the call wrong. That doesn't help. Thanks for that one, Zebras, Tim Donahue. Um, so, yeah, look, look, we knew what this was going to be. Oklahoma got screwed worse than Texas did this past Saturday. Yeah, they did. By the way, like Xavier Worthy got interfered with 
on a, on a drive, and uh, Texas had to give the ball back. That might have been the punt block drive. I can't remember, but Texas had to give the ball back, and Kansas State ended up scoring, and that was obviously one of the scores that let them back into the game. Xavier Worthy got held and grabbed, and that was a clear and obvious pass interference. Oklahoma was down by six in the fourth quarter of Bedlam. They had a receiver get tackled in the end zone, which should have put it at first and goal from the one-yard line. They didn't call it. OU had to settle for a field goal. So instead of a touchdown and an extra point for the lead, they kick a field goal to go down by three, and they ended up losing by three. Wasn't so, it Drake Stoops, too, who got interfered with? I think it was Drake Stoops. I and can't he was even. a ridiculous game, too. Yeah, I can't. It might have been Drake Stoops. I've, I've only watched it 10 times. You would think I would know by now. Uh, but horrible. But like we knew this was going to be a thing going into the year. We all talked about it. Hell, it was a thing last year. Like that's that's the one thing Texas and OU fans have been able to bond on these past couple of years is yeah. just how atrocious the officiating has been, and it's been awful for both teams. So it's something that Texas is going to have to overcome. It's why you'd like to hold on to twenty-seven to seven leads so you don't have to freak out about certain calls and no calls, yeah. right? Because if you play close games and there's a chance that there's a backbreaking call that's going to go against you, and this year it's going to go against you. You know, you don't play OU again. You, know, you might not play them at all again this year because apparently they also fear Texas because they, I guess, don't want to rematch because they can't beat anybody else. Uh, but the, the three teams you've got left and potentially Oklahoma State in Jerry World, they're all staying in the Big 12. So, you know, your mark and the officials want those teams to beat Texas because he doesn't want to hand that trophy to a departing team after this year. So the, the perfect scenario for the Longhorns is you just take care of business to the point where – you don't have to worry about the refs becoming a factor. Easier said than done, of course. Yeah, I mean, look, that's. I think the game plan has been good to start the last three games now. It's about showing you that you're that second-half team that made you so good at the start of the year. And a lot of that comes down to the offense and its ability to move the ball and not turn it over. And that's part of the reason why we've seen a flip over these last couple of games and much closer calls than needed to be. Yeah, my BYU game wasn't so bad, but the Houston game, uh, obviously the offense starting to stagnate in the second half was a, a big part of the issue too. Even yeah. when turnovers weren't as big of a deal. Yeah, Texas has taken the ball away too, which is which is helping, right? They right. they've turned it over too much these last three games. Obviously, they turned it over too much against Oklahoma too. So you can really say the last four games, uh, but they are getting some takeaways, which has uh, been huge, been huge, been huge in these past couple of weeks. So. Uh, yeah, that's that's where we're at with the officials, man. Don't expect to be getting a bunch of calls this Saturday in Fort Worth. And look, Texas is a nine-and-a-half-point and favorite right now. So win this game and cover, and then uh, we won't be complaining too much about the refs. I can't sit here and say we won't be complaining at all because I'm sure we will be. But take it out of their hands, man. Take it you know, out of the, their hands. The conversation we had about the game yesterday, it really didn't involve the refs at all. Like, it's not – we're trying not to dwell on that part either and trying to look at the ins and outs of the actual what's happening on the field that Texas can't control. But yeah. you know, we'll, we'll talk about it because it's there. We're, we won't harp on it. It won't be excuse-making. This is why we were arguing for Texas and OU to get out as soon as possible because this was only going to get worse. It's not like everybody was just going to feel good on the way out the door. There, there's a lot of animosity and a lot of ill will right now. And so you, you wish you would have been in the SEC this year, but hey, it's happening next year, which is also a year early. A couple of texts on the CODA text line, 512 
a 945 number says it's a given that Kevin Moore will officiate the Big 12 title game, right? Oh, if Texas is in it, yes. If if Texas screws up and we get Oklahoma State and Kansas State or Kansas or somebody in it, then no, they'll actually give them good refs. But uh, if Texas and or Oklahoma are involved, then it, it will be Kevin Moore's crew, no question. Yeah, I got to give you credit. You called that one out before. I, I think I'd heard anybody else say his name. They're they're pretty terrible. Yep. Heisenberg situation, man. <laughs> say his name. That guy loves the airtime. And there's that video of, you know, the Ethan Berg strip sack fumble was recovered by Jalen Ford. Huge play for Texas. They mm-hmm. scored on the, the next snap. There's a video like Ethan Burke leaving the pile is like pointing Texas's way saying that, no, that's our football and then Kevin Mars in the background, like shaking his head, like, no, no, it's not. No. Oh, Almost like he's like, yo, no, it's not yours. It's K-State's because I want them to win. So they're keeping the football. And then that review took 45 minutes, even though it should have taken about 45 seconds. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's probably Kevin Marr talking to the uh the upstairs official, like, yeah, but are you sure? <laughs> are you sure there's enough to overturn it? Because like I, I really, I really don't want the orange team to win. So, are, are we sure? Can we just say it stands, please? We uh, saw another example out of that crew being the fun police again. I think this was actually towards a Kansas State player who had just scored a touchdown to maybe cut it to one score with the potential to tie it or to tie it up with the possibility of an extra point giving them the lead. And he was like celebrating in the end zone. And the ref was like, stop doing that. Go back to the sideline right now. It's like the guy's just pumping his fist and yelling to the crowd. Like, yeah, fuck off, dude. Uh, maybe the Baylor game. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it was, it was silly. Just silly. But uh, it is what it is, man. It is what it is. All right. Some sponsor shout outs today before we get to where are we at in society. How about a word from our buddy Tom McKay over at AV? Consultations. Hi, this is Tom McKay with Audiovisual Consultations. Scientific data proves it. Size does matter. The bigger and wider your television is, the better. Football season is here, and the time is now to get your entire audio video experience tuned up and ready. New flat screens, projection video, Dolby True HD surround, all the goodies at great prices and followed up with great service. So call us at 255-8678. That's 255-8678 or on the web at avconsultations.com. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Shout out to AV Consultations. College basketball is back. You've got the NBA. You've got the NHL. You've got college football. You've got the NFL, which means you need TVs. And AV Consultations has those TVs. There's a damn gnat flying around my head. It's pissing me off. Uh, we'll, we'll give uh, Pest Wranglers a shout because maybe I need to give them a shout here in a second. Uh, Olipop, rocking the hat today. Trey tried it a couple of days ago. Big fan of the root beer flavor. I'm a big fan of the root beer flavor, too. They've got all sorts of flavors, man. If root beer is not your thing, they've got cola, grape soda, lemon lime, Dr. Goodwin, which is their version of a Dr. Pepper, cream soda, and a bunch of other unique flavors, too. What sets Olipop apart from other sodas? Well, it's actually good for you. That's right. Nine grams of fiber in every can. Only two to five grams of sugar in every can. Hardly any calories in any can. Uh, this stuff is different, man. It tastes like the soda that you uh, know and love, but it is actually good for you. Shout out to Olipop and a shout out to Cobra Bee Cave as well. If you're looking for a new or pre-owned car, truck, or SUV, look no further than Covert Bee Cave. Trey is going to be on pregame this Saturday with Bucky out at the uh, Covert Bee Cave studios, 4 to 6 on that pregame show. Thanks to Covert Bee Cave for being such a great partner of us at Texas Sports Unfiltered all year long 
Uh, Texas basketball won last night, Trey. Any any thoughts on that before we get to where are we at? Not really, other than to hear Rodney Ter- Terry talk about it at the end of the game in the postgame presser. I like the style that he's trying to formulate this year, that this team is going to play fast. Initially, when they get the ball on offense, they're going to try and push it up the floor. But as Rodney Terry said postgame, you get seven seconds. And then once we're past the seven seconds, we're going to work for a good shot. I continue to like him a lot as an X's and O's coach and, and really working with the pieces in front of him to put the get to put together the uh the best competitive team possible. It looked good last night in Texas 29-0 in fast break points last night. They created turnovers, they got out in transition, and they had a lot of easy buckets en route to that win and cover. That's nice when you're a 31 and a half point favorite and you win by 32. That's what we're looking for this year, boys. Yeah, it harkens back to the uh, running horns teams from the late 80s and early 1990s, the BMW days, which was my favorite era of Texas basketball, other than TJ, of course, because that's when I first started rooting for Texas basketball as a kid. Mm-hmm. So that that style was awesome. It was a lot of fun. It was very prevalent at that point in basketball on the whole, too. And uh, this could set up to be another exciting season. I know it's hard right now for some college basketball fans because this roster looks so different from last year. Just get used to this. This is college basketball going forward. You're going to have to relearn your team each and every year. Uh, but it looks like uh, early on, Rodney Terry has established a pretty good group of guys, and they're uh, they're being patient with Dylan DeSue, too, to make sure that when he's back out there, it's not something where he's out for a little bit and then he gets hurt again. Uh, they weren't fully healthy here, and uh, they have a pretty easy non-conference schedule to help ease him in if they want to do that and wait until closer to conference play. I'm with you. And Shedrick looked good, too. He was clearly on a minutes restriction last night, but, God, in 11 minutes, he had 12 points and three blocks. Like That guy was awesome, the Virginia transfer. So I wasn't sure he was going to be ready by the start of the year. Uh, clearly limited, but he didn't look limited with his play. So good stuff there. Yeah, I think my favorite era of Texas basketball was the – year and a half we had Chris Beard thinking that we actually had something special. Mm. And I hope we still do with Rodney Terry because it's an easier guy to root for, he thinks. How quickly do you think Chris Beard is going to get it going with Ole Miss? Two two years? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it depends on if, uh, you know, you can get the off-the-court stuff taken care of and make sure that that doesn't happen again. But he's awesome, man. He's He's a great coach. I'll be curious to see the re- reaction that he gets when he brings Ole Miss into Austin at some point in the future. Booze. That's what it should be. Not, not alcohol. That, that, that doesn't always work well with him, but uh, booze is what it should be. It's okay. gotta be. You know, I, I've heard a, a surprising number of people that are giving him a lot of the benefit of the doubt there. And I look, I, I don't disagree that there's uh, there are there are two different participants in that story, right? Yeah. But ultimately, what sunk his, him is his unwillingness to be at all apologetic for it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, or just get out of that situation before it ever got to that point. You know, and there were apparent, apparently warning signs being given, people saying stuff to him about uh, needing to separate himself. So it's like, ultimately, you continue to put yourself in jeopardy then bad things could happen. Yeah, he deserves credit for putting that team together. That was the best team Texas has had in 20 years, but he uh, he had the opportunity of a lifetime and he blew it, and he also embarrassed the university by doing that. So right. I, can't, I, I can't cheer for that, man. 
I can't cheer for that. All right. Great. What we can't cheer for, pest wranglers. Pest wranglers. Pest wranglers. We'll let you hear them say that a few times. Too. Pest wranglers. Pest wranglers. Pest wranglers. What are you doing? I'm making a silly commercial like other companies so people will remember our name. But we're not like other companies. Anyone can see that from our five-star reviews. But how will people remember pest wranglers? Well, once they try us, they'll never forget that we are the most effective, reliable, and affordable pest control company. I guess you're right. Pest wranglers is the best at pest control, wildlife management, termite pest control. Pest wranglers. Pest wranglers. Pest wranglers. What are you doing? Hey, it couldn't hurt. Pest wranglers. 512-670-7808 or find us on the web at PestWranglers.com. Where are we at in society today? That's right. It is your daily look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, I will bring you a story that provides a sense of optimism that has us all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out. Today is not that day. Today is a good day to bestow some hate on Atlanta Falcons head football coach Arthur Smith, BK. The formerly mustachioed Arthur Smith. Apparently, he shaved that porn stash now. Oh. And I got to give you credit for this early on in the NFL season where Bijan didn't get a heavy usage. It was the first game of the year. I said, you know what? I'm okay with that right now. Ease him into the action, and eventually he needs to be the dominant running back in this offense. But Arthur Smith... BK, week in and week out, continues to underutilize Bijan Robinson, including in the red zone, where Atlanta is not good at all right now, and he continues to find ways to justify it. And he was asked specifically about this. I haven't even asked if you have the audio for this or not. You don't have the audio of him talking about this, do you? No. Okay. So he was asked about Bijan not getting more opportunities up to this point. In giving his answer, he said that the Falcons have to score more points, but defended not giving Robinson more opportunities. Quote, he played a lot of snaps against Minnesota, and sometimes his impact away from the ball can open things up. Yes, Bijan, you want him away from the ball. That's where you're really at your best as an offense, with him being away from the fucking football, Arthur Smith. Now, this does come a little bit from some fantasy frustrations, fantasy football frustrations that is <laughs> thank you for that you have Bijan on one of my rosters yeah. but it is embarrassing and frustrating for a guy that we love to watch play the sport to watch this jackass continue to underutilize them it doesn't make sense i mean it really does not make sense and i i have a conspiracy theory i brought it up with rodney in the last hour that i wonder if this is like a jeff fisher vince young situation where we know Jeff Fisher did not want to draft Vince Young. That was a Bud Adams move, and Jeff Fisher wasn't happy about it. He wanted Matt Leinart, or he wanted somebody else. And it's clear that those two guys never saw eye to eye, and that's part of why VY's career went down the way that it did. I wonder if that's the case here in Atlanta, where Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons, just watched Bijan play at Texas and was like, yeah, no, that, that, that guy's awesome. We need that guy here. If we have a chance to draft that guy, we're drafting that guy. And Arthur Smith is like, well, you know, I like this Algier cat. Like he's, He had a pretty good rookie season, and I feel like we have other issues that we need to address, and maybe we shouldn't be taking a running back in the top 10 in the NFL in 2023. And maybe that's like out of spite. He's just not giving Bijan the ball because he never wanted Bijan in the first place. I have no sourcing on that. That's just like, what else makes sense? I don't know if that makes sense. What else makes sense to not give this guy the ball? He's not in the doghouse. There's no way he'd ever be in the doghouse. 
he's not that type dude. of guy. Like, he's a genuinely good dude. Everybody recognizes him in the locker room. You're you're right. This probably is a bit of a vendetta. That's the only explanation that that would make sense at this point. Is he trying oh, to get fired? A couple weeks ago. I don't know if Bijan talked about that or not. That was weird, too, where it's like he has a headache that pops up the night before, and then it was still there on Sunday morning, but they didn't put him on the injury list. But he is in uniform on the sideline, and he gets in for a couple of plays. It's like there was a lot of inconsistency there, too. The bottom line is Arthur Smith is not a head football coach. Like, I'm sorry. I know he had some good mm-hmm. years as an OC with Derrick Henry as his running back, letting Ryan Tannehill operate off of play action and being able to give it to Derrick Henry that much and to have him still be that productive too. Uh, he is very over his head with everything else that you are responsible for as a head football coach. Yeah. I'll be honest before this year. Like I, I thought Arthur Smith did a decent job there last year, all things considered. Um, but I, I can't defend him anymore. I can't defend this. And, and Kyle Pitts is still not getting involved as much as he probably should be in that offense. And, yeah, I mean, you've got two talents like that with Bijan and Pitts, top 10 picks, mind you, and you just can't find a way to get them the ball. That's like you're the offensive mastermind. This is supposed to be what you do. Uh, why is this not working? Like, we got mad at Sark for not using Bijan enough. Bijan was like sixth in the country in rushing yards last year, and we're like, ah, he should have been first. He should have been first. Why do we give him the ball more? Uh, and, and like, it's not even close. Like, Atlanta's not even putting him on the field at all. Yeah, and it's one thing if you're getting him touches in other ways, but he's also going games with uh, maybe a single catch. I think last week was a single catch in the football game, and his hands are obviously a great weapon for him too. But meanwhile, Arthur Smith is going with the straight Jonu Smith offense, and I realize he was good for him for the Titans a few years ago. I mean, they're they're handing the ball off to Jonu Smith. They're letting him throw passes. They're letting him catch a lot of touchdown passes right now at the expense of another High first round draft pick that you just mentioned, Kyle Pitts, who is awesome as a rookie. You tell me how this makes sense. I just pulled up the Falcons stats on my phone. Tyler Algier has 116 carries for 371 yards. He's averaging 3.2 yards a carry. He's got one explosive run this year. Bijan Robinson has 103 carries for 517 yards. He's averaging five yards a carry. He got four explosive runs this year. So Bijan's averaging almost two yards a carry more than Tyler Algier, yet Tyler Algier has 13 more carries than Bijan does this year in the same number of games. How does, how does that check out? Dude, honestly, the most egregious thing about the usage to me, other than Bijan needing more touches, of course, is how he's using these guys. He's actually harming both of their abilities to get anything going because he's switching guys in and out throughout series, even when they're not tired necessarily. Yeah, I mean, it's it's he's living the Tom Herman life. And I made this joke earlier. I'll make it again. I feel like it's a, a Scooby-Doo villain where someone's going to rip off Arthur Smith's head and it's going to be Tom Herman under him. Like, that's what got Tom Herman fired. A, a few other things did, too. But if Tom Herman gives Bijan Robinson the ball more in 2020, Tom Herman's probably the coach here in 2021. And maybe he's still the coach here. But Texas lost a couple of one-score games that year and missed the Big 12 title game because he didn't use Bijan enough. Now Arthur Smith is maybe going to lose his job because he's not using Bijan enough. If Tom Herman is wearing an Arthur Smith fat suit on Sundays, I'm a Tom Herman fan again. Is there any way we can get this guy back to Austin? We need his antics <laughs> for the dying days of LHN. Just give him a show and let him do his thing.
in the Arthur Smith fat <laughs> suit. We're going to get that deal. Uh, yeah, we can call the show Double Bird, right? Mm, I'm in on that. I'd watch. Yeah, get uh, Tom Herman at FAU on Saturday. Get him on the Falcon sideline on Sundays and get him at LHN from Monday to Friday. Have you checked how his team is doing this year? I, I, one of their games was on like a Friday night, and I watched a little bit of it, and they were right around 500. So I, not to the point where I could give you an actual answer on how Florida Atlantic is doing. Let's see. I'm pulling it up right now. Maybe they maybe, are four and five. Okay. Three and two in the conference. I was going to say maybe, maybe Chip and Zay. No, I almost hope you guys don't know. Any, any word on Tom Herman's first year and what is that? Boca Raton where FAU is? FAU, baby. Boca Raton. Hmm. I know four Casey Thompson's out the whole year. That's about it. Well, he'll be back next year. <laughs> that guy won't graduate. Him and like Brock Cunningham. Yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah, that probably makes more sense. Shoot. What's uh what's on the docket today, fellas? Oh man, we got uh we got Texas football, we got Texas basketball, we got Chris Hummer at 1:30. We got Hank South talking Texas Longhorns recruiting at 2:15. We got a loaded show, fellas. Yeah. Jam-packed. Yeah, and the is the best segment of college football you'll hear anywhere on any show nationwide. Mm. Chris Hummer, he's good. He's good. Yeah, yeah. And y'all are good. Yeah, I'm piggybacking off of that Arthur Smith trash talking. Yo, F Arthur Smith. F that dude. Him and Heineke. Heineke and Bijan should be like Elway and Terrell Davis. Emmett <laughs> and Aikman. You know what I'm saying? And he's fucking all that up. <laughs> And the uh, the words of the meme, F Arthur Smith, all my homies hate Arthur Smith. <laughs> How do you do, fellow kids? I didn't think there would be an NFL coach this year that I ended up disliking as much as uh, of Brandon Staley, but Arthur Smith is, has now exceeded uh, any disdain I have for the Chargers head guy. Yeah, and he tried to shave the mustache and stuff. BK, I see you got the mustache. Joe Rowan looks nice, my brother. But Arthur Smith talking about, oh, I was up all night and I shaved the stash because he wants to switch the luck a little bit. Give the ball to B. John Robinson. Yes, he fumbled. I don't give a damn. Give the ball to B. John Robinson. You drafted him in the first round like an idiot anyway because it's, it's a running back. I love B. John and all, but he's still a running back. And you're not going to use him? Doesn't make any freaking sense. I'm with you. I'm with you. Plus, he's right. salty. Zay's salty because his Falcons lost this weekend. Yeah, his oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and three this week, Zay. Yeah, that's that's a nice Trey impression you're doing there. Yeah. Right? Not too good. Not too good. But that's all right. I'm going to bounce back this week. Don't worry about it. I'm going to bounce BK, back. BK, who's up in our pick standings for the season? Isn't it me by a game? Uh, oh, I'm cutting out. I'm, uh, I'm you're breaking up. You're, you're, oh, uh, no. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, no. Bad y'all connection. Y'all, y'all have a great show, guys. Appreciate y'all. Good show, fellas. All right, fellas. Great show.